0: If you talk to a man in a language he understands, that goes to his head. If you talk to him in his language, that goes to his heart.
1: So Jane, we are one week away from being a wrap on the session, unless they go in extended hours because they can't get a budget together. But we're likely one week out. We're recording this on April 23rd. They're set to wrap the legislative session April 30th. Jane, what is going on?
0: Well, Tony, I'm gonna to start this off by giving credit to you and your fellow Sill director Liz Howe down in Orlando. Last week when we spoke, we knew that the House had picked up our appropriations requests for funding for Centers for Independent Living to provide transition services at $450,000. The Senate had us in at zero. They did not match the request. Just this morning, literally less than 10 minutes ago, the budget conferences met because Tony Delisle and Liz Howe sent emails to the chair of the Senate Appropriations Committee and let her know how important our issue was. The Senate has now picked up and matched the House offer for Centers for Independent Living. So we are in on both sides at $450,000, which means that issue can be closed out so that it goes into the budget that's going to be voted upon. There are still outstanding issues that have not been resolved, but the virus has been resolved. And I do want to give you credit. It's a direct effect of advocacy by the SILs, the grassroots efforts contacting Senator Stargell. And the reason... You and Liz were the ones who contacted her, is because she represents counties in your in yep. your catchment areas. Yep. So um, she knows that you serve constituents that can vote for her, and that is that's the the key relationship that you have to recognize that that you need to go local. And we started this podcast series with that whole theme about the importance of being local, that matching a person to a person, and for you because you serve Lake County, for Liz because she serves Polk County every consumer with a disability in those counties are represented by Senator Stargill so it's important to her so anyway so that that just happened so that's a that's Fresh top off the of the
1: presses and i want to say that us uh, reaching out to her really was, thank you for putting that on our radar that that was somebody that we needed to contact so that that was great and and i love the the fact that when we do reach out to people it's really honestly saying, we do serve people in your area. We do serve your constituents. Please let us know if you come across people that need our services and refer them to us. And this is what we do. And this is how we can support your constituents. And that's really why we're there. Because they they are uh, the eyes and ears of where they represent. They know the people. They'll, they'll certainly hear about people that are having issues. We can be such a fabulous resource to the, to the people that are really charged with the health and safety of the people in their community, and they get people there that are really, you know, working to maintain their independence or gain their independence. Here we are to help them. Right. So that's what I really love about connect, connecting with, uh, you know, legislators is really we, we're we're not just asking for something; we're we're coming there giving something.
0: You are, but the other thing that you're doing, um, you know, you take an issue from being an orphan to being um, adopted, because when the, the appropriators, when, when the budget is multiple hundreds of pages and thousands of issues and tens of thousands of constituents asking for their piece of it so you can easily look at the budget as a series of line items that are just things that issues that they don't they don't understand half of the ones that are on the page but if they can connect an issue with people and with, with value that they're delivering in their communities like you and Liz were able to do with that email, you know, letting her know the return on investment with the funding that she would provide back to people in her community, then it's no longer just an issue a line item on a page. So you really do have to personalize the issues. And that's that that's the value and the importance of advocacy, just making sure that people can connect a request to individuals that will benefit from the services. So. It's really otherwise we literally would have been just another line on the page.
1: Sure, sure. You got to gotta put eyeballs with the numbers and, and heart as well. So let me ask you this, Jane. So we, we got into the budget on both the House and now the Senate side. Awesome. There's still some finagling and haggling, I'm sure, to be done. What are, what are some right now, are there still any threats that could take us out or anything else out there that could be a stick in the wheel or complicate things? I'd imagine we're not necessarily out of the woods, even though we're on both versions of the budget.
0: Yes, anything can happen so between now and, and when the budget gets printed. Um, we should feel very safe right now because both the House and the Senate have picked up our issues and support it.
1: Yeah, this was a deal breaker, like hoop to get through, the box to check. Yeah, so
0: this this is huge. But, you know, I've actually seen things in the past where staff make a mistake and they, they accidentally leave something out. And it was just a like literally because the staff are working around the clock and they're tired. I doubt that will happen. We're in the best place we can be right now. But I remember in 2018 when the Parkland shooting happened on February 14th, two weeks before the session ended. And the legislature had to reappropriate money to fund school safety. So a lot of issues that looked like they were solid and safe, all of a sudden were removed from the budget because they needed to put more budget over in um, school safety. So barring any unforeseen circumstances, we should be safe. But there's also something called sprinkling, and that's a term that they use. It's a it's a you know it's a slang term, but. Each of those, Sounds delicious.
1: Um, is it good?
0: <laughs> it is good. <laughs> if, right. if you get the sprinkle. so sprinkling means that there's always extra money held aside for last minute projects. You know, we are going to continue to ask for the full request that we um, submitted back before the session started, which was nine hundred thousand dollars. We could get a sprinkling of another of additional money on top of the four fifty. So that's what we're going for. Sprinkling. It's called a call to sprinkle list, and it's you know the appropriators hold aside money, and at at the end they just kind of drop that money in, and you don't see it leading up to the final budget. You don't see it in the conference committee meetings, but um, it's a way of re- rewarding lobbyists. It's a way of recognizing local projects. Um, it's it's just it's kind of um, discretionary funding. It's like your grandmother's little pot of money on the in the kitchen that she can pull, you know, here go get an ice cream. So it's so anyway, so we're hoping hoping that we might get juiced up by the sprinkle list, but there's no telling. So, but we are still trying for that. So
1: horse um, trading, and, sprinkling. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> but so that's our, that's the first news um, at the top of the hour, because it just happened and it's really exciting. <clears throat> but the second thing that happened this week was that the Senate bill that increases funding for the JP pass program and aligns the enacting language for FILP with federal law that also passed unanimously on the Senate floor 40 to zero. Wow. So. Um, Yes. So that's really great. The House bill is poised to get voted on by the full House, but it hasn't gotten a vote yet. So we're still waiting for that. But that was very good news. We continue every week to move forward with that legislation. So that's a very positive sign. And every vote has been unanimous so far through committee and now on the uh, Senate floor.
1: And that's aligning federal language to comply with the state's independent living councils.
0: Yes, and it's language that Philk has wanted to have change for a long time. So we we were happy and honored to carry it for them, since they can't lobby. And then, of course, the JP Pass issue is critical for the future of the program.
1: Yeah, absolutely. How is how is the JP Pass uh, side of this, you know, really looking?
0: It looks good. What what happened was the Revenue Estimating Conference came back two weeks ago and met to evaluate what the fiscal impact of the change, what we're asking for is to move from 50% of the delinquent sales tax collections to 75. And they estimated that the impact would be about $800,000 would not be going to the general revenue, but it would be going to the program. And no one seemed to hiccup with that. Um, it, it, it did not get referred to Appropriations Committee. So Or did actually it did? It got referred to appropriations on the Senate side, and then Ways and Means on the House side. So, again, both both committees approved the vote or the bill unanimously, which indicates that there is no heartburn about the eight hundred thousand dollars. It's not an appropriation per se because they're not putting money into the budget for the program. It just means that monies that might have come in and gone into general revenue from collections will not go to general revenue. But because the revenue estimates are getting so much better week over week because the economy is coming back strong. We've got a lot of federal stimulus dollars that are being pumped into the Florida's economy. So there's no, um, that sort of attitude of scarcity that we started the session off with has completely reversed. So it's almost like, wow, we've got a lot of money. How are we gonna spend it all?
1: Ah, so I guess a programming note, Uh, We are slated to interview some participants on that J-PASS program, and this episode will air a few days after this episode that we're having here with you. So to your point of putting eyeballs and heart to an issue, um, we're going to have some participants who are receiving the benefits of this program come in and talk to us about who they are and how this program has benefited them. So... A little bit of a that is perfect
0: job. timing yes yeah, we absolutely yeah. we this that would be the best thing we could do for for the bill right now if there's any hesitation on the house side hearing those individuals talk about how they are able to work and be employers and employees and raise you know support their families and um, live in their communities that is that is huge so that's a huge boost to the bill because as I said we're in limbo right now in the house waiting for it to get onto the special order calendar so this might be just through, just that for us.
1: It would be good for them to hear for the participants and recipients of the program. I'm honored and privileged to know a few of them. And and I'm also was invited to speak to the group. And wow, what a just an amazing group of people that had just such incredible personal stories, inspirational life experiences, still you're going through some challenges and really how they connect with each other to really bounce some of those challenges off one another, learn from one another, get some tips, encouragement. What a great group of people. And I'm really happy that I've gotten to meet some of the people on there. So I really look forward to the, to having a conversation yeah. with them.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. And it really just shows you the value of that core SEAL service, you know, peer support. Because like you said, you know, because of the pandemic, we've now started doing about every, just about every month, we would have JP pass what we call social calls. And there's Zoom conversations with participants. And it's been so incredible to watch how they benefit from Talking to each other because they live a very unique life. Their circumstances are different from most people's because they rely on personal care assistance every single day just to get out of bed and get dressed every morning. You know, sharing stories and talking about how they've addressed different challenges that are unique to their circumstances has been so encouraging to them and, and eye-opening, and um, it's it's really been wonderful. But it really just also is a testimony to how important peer assistance is because you know if you haven't walked in a person's shoes, it's really hard understand and appreciate what they, what they're, they're going through.
1: Absolutely. And to double down on what you say in there, especially during these times where we're so isolated and separated from one another, and again, people with disabilities, especially with mobility challenges are more likely to be socially isolated pre-COVID, then you layer COVID on top of this. We're so thirsty for connection. And, and communication yeah. and relation and rapport with people. So I'm really happy to hear that you all created a really great space for them to come in and connect with one another. They're just such a great group.
0: It, they really are. They really are. Okay, so there's that, but there's another bill that FASL didn't file, but it, it was filed after um, Representative Allison Tant met the FASL members, so the SIL directors from around the state during our SIL day back in February. So she amended a bill that she had filed to require schools to provide information to parents about transition services, because as a parent of a child with a disability herself, she said it was so confusing and difficult to figure out what her options were and what her son's options were when he was graduating from high school. So uh, she amended her bill to include Centers for Independent Living as entities that schools have to provide information about to all students that are transitioning from special, you know, who have an IEP. So this was huge because this is a, a recognition that Centers for Independent Living are statutorily mandated to provide transition services. They are a central support or resource for students with disabilities. So we were amended into her bill and this week the bill passed unanimously in the House and the Senate. It's been ordered to be enrolled and it's on its way to the governor's desk. Our next step as you know, as advocates will be to write emails to the governor and then encourage him to sign the bill. We don't think there's any reason he won't sign it But this is pretty exciting to be on the radar in every school district now. They will have to provide information about Centers for Independent Living.
1: I think this is my uh, favorite pleasant surprise of this legislative session, not even having it on our radar that this was even in play or an idea. So Centers for Independent Living are now charged with more than ever going into schools and connecting with the students and parents and providing, like you said, options for advocacy and choices for after they graduate school and transitioning into post-secondary life. And right now with our designation, it is very difficult to get into the schools. It's easy for them to not return our calls or messages even when we show up in person, there's tons of barriers there. And if this legislation passes through, and we are an entity, an agency that they must share our information uh, about and to the people, that is huge. It gets around so many barriers that has really been hamstringing us from being able to really reach people that really need our services.
0: Right. Yeah, no, we're we're, we're so excited. And it's, we're so so thrilled to have an ally in Representative Tant. She's a freshman, but she's powerful. She has passed multiple bills this session as a, as a freshman Democrat, that's really unusual, but it speaks to her ability to ident- identify bipartisan routes to solutions. And her primary focus is people with disabilities. That's so, fantastic.
1: Um, That's a huge, huge help for us to be able to, you know, get that in there. So Representative Tant, we are very thankful for, for that. And wow, you know, a rookie, you know, being able to like get some stuff done in there and a Democrat to boot. Uh, wow. Yeah, definitely want to keep an eye on on her and what she's all about. This is, this is a big win for us.
0: What's not lost on me in watching her over this session is that, you know as, as individual citizens because that's what she started out as she's just you know she's just a person she's a woman she's a mom she's a wife but she took her her challenges and her struggles with her son she wanted to make a difference for other parents so they wouldn't have to go through what she went through she ran for the house she got elected and now she is making good on her promises all of her focus is on making making things better for people with disabilities. So, you know, any person listening to this podcast right now could be that person. Anyone can run for public office. So I think that, you know, that's, it's such a wonderful thing to see someone take their personal experience and use it to make life better for others, you know, by becoming an elected official and working to to pass legislation. It's certainly not self-serving on her part because she can't go back in time and make that That process better for her son, but she wants to make sure the process is better for everyone who comes behind him. But again, she started out as just a mom.
1: (laughs) I I love how you're pointing this out because one of the things in this podcast that we're going to really be pivoting towards is really trying to be, uh, how can we be the best version of ourselves to be able to go and serve others? So if we're, we're a better version of ourselves, we'll be even a better servant to others. And, and it sounds like from her experiences, she's, she's probably uh, has gone through a challenge, has struggled perhaps a little bit, perhaps even suffered, has come out the other side stronger for it, and now sees herself in a position where she can help other people that are going through those similar circumstances to lift them up. And then all of a sudden, for me, a situation like that always helps me give clarity to why I had to go through a bad si- or quote unquote bad situation, and then I have a, a purpose that's greater than just me. Uh, after you know coming through that, so I really respect where she's coming from and, and w- sounding like what she's all about, and and it is important to note that this is a bipartisan support. For her efforts, as we've been saying with this, unity through disability doesn't, disability doesn't care what political affiliation you're associated with at all. Right. So would love to hear the momentum that are going on in bipartisanship and disability. Again, if we're going to bring a you know, a society together that's tearing itself apart and tribalistic, getting your own group kind of ways, this is a group everyone's in. <laughs> so let it be a yes. space that we can really come together and see that we have more in common than we do different. And, and to see you know this play out in the legislative process, it certainly gives me hope because I feel like politics are almost like the last space that we can actually find places to come together and be united. So it certainly gives me a bit of uh, hope and inspiration that uh, we're on to something here.
0: Yes, we are, and now I think you know it's it's a it's a single it's one lane on a multi lane highway because there are politicians who are using their positions to to push ideological issues and um, you know sort of red meat to their base issues and which are divisive and they do the exact opposite of what you just described they don't they're not unifying they're more dividing and um and sort of staking out your your positions so I think that you know as disability advocates we do have an opportunity to bring people together. And they're hungry for that because so many of the other issues don't do that at all and they they force people to get defensive and take sides so i love i love being in this lane and and seeing the the satisfaction that people derive by being in this lane with us people that we didn't know before like our the sponsor of our house bill representative persons Malika, she is so thrilled to be sponsoring our bill because she's gotten so much positive feedback from people about what it does for people who want to work, who have significant disabilities, but need assistance. She continues to pick up co-sponsors at every committee stop because the bill does such positive things. So it's, um yes, I completely agree. Unity through disability is, that's, that is the mantra.
1: All right. Speaking of mantras, do you have a quote for us uh, for this week?
0: Yes. And it kind of pulls together the little, the strands of things we were we've just been talking about. It's Nelson Mandela. One of my favorite people, I loved his book, The Road to Freedom, but there's, says, if you talk to a man in a language he understands, that goes to his head. If you talk to him in his language, that goes to his heart. And I think that you know what we've found is that by helping people understand our issues so that they, they put a person and a face to the issue then we've gotten, we've won over their heart. And so it's not just an intellectual understanding of what we're trying to do, but it's a heartfelt commitment to join our efforts to make life better for people.
1: Can you do one more time on the quote?
0: Sure. If you talk to a man in a language he understands, that goes to his head. If you talk to him in his language, that goes to his heart.
1: Wow. That quote definitely harkens this, how... Yes, it's important to celebrate the uniqueness of all of us and how we're each special. But at the same time, we're so similar to one another. I feel like all of us want to be loved. All of us want to be understood. All of us experience fear. All of us experience anxiety or stress, want to be accepted by other people. Those of us that are parents want the best for our kids, generally, most of us. And, and so, like, these are the biggies in life, and these really I find to be something that I think we hopefully all can find that in our hearts are there, and we can really create the space for uh, allowing one another into our hearts. But I think we need to let our guards down a little bit, be vulnerable, face a little bit of that fear that all of us have. And, and I really enjoy that quote. We got to get beyond the mind and, and to the heart. I, and I feel like that is kind of really the crutch of the solution to a lot of these problems that can get us out of the divisiveness, the squabbling, the going back and forth. That seems so mind. That seems so ego. Right. For me, it seems to me that if we can put down that illusion of the mind and the ego and, and get through that abyss, that we can find the heart in one another and connect on that where we, we all want these things. Even if it's the people we despise or, or who seem to want to offend us or et cetera, they too want love. They too want, you know, they are too scared. They are too, you know, wanting to be accepted or understood. Everybody is in that space.
0: Right. And and I think it's just that truth is so important in advocacy too, because um, you have to personalize your issues to, to get people to really Embrace them and and support them wholeheartedly and I mean that term literally like wholeheartedly you can't it can't Hmm. be an intellectual acknowledgement of yes this looks like a good idea I think I'll do it, but then if push comes to shove or if you know we get it into a a situation where someone's challenging it, I can walk away from it because it's just an intellectual Hmm. sort of acknowledgement, but if it's heartfelt and personal, then I think you know if you've been able to communicate with someone at that level then it's more than just, you can't just walk away. It's going to take some soul searching and maybe a willingness to go the extra mile to make sure that it happens. And I I see that in the emails that you sent to this, uh, the chair of the Appropriations Committee by turning our line item into people who want to work and Alison Tant turning her personal circumstances, using them to tell a story, a very personal story about her struggles so that everyone on the house floor joined in joined with her and said yes this is wrong no parents should have to go through this no students should have to go through this we sh- we all need to work together to make things better and it, it wasn't a financial argument it wasn't a mathematical argument or a logical argument it was a very heartfelt personal thing where everyone agrees we need to do the right thing so yeah that i thought that quote was pretty relevant for what we've seen this week
1: it gives us the opportunity to be the best versions of ourselves so we can put down the mind put down the ego Be humble and just connect on that human level uh, that you're directing us to well jane i love speaking with you and connecting with you and really admire the work that you do you're very much a champion for the cause and these conversations have been illuminating for myself and i really appreciate you doing what you do jane at the capitol so continue the good work that you're doing so, last week that we're entering into,
0: I am honored to be your ambassador up here, and uh, <laughs> you give me way too much credit. You're it. so
1: fun to work with. <laughs> yeah, you're you're a good you're a good teacher too. Well. Well, Jane, we're going to wrap this.
0: My face is (laughs) beat red.
1: Yeah, we're going to get on YouTube and and show the people tomato, tomato, whatever. We're in Florida. (laughs) Well, Jane, again, once again, it's a pleasure. Um, We'll be probably talking again within this next week about some things that might have shifted and changed. So until the next time, onward and upward. Take care, Jane.
0: Thank you, Tony. Thanks for listening to the Independent Life Podcast, brought to you by the Center for Independent Living of North Central Florida. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you know anyone who might benefit from listening, share this podcast and invite them to subscribe, too. For questions, suggestions, or if you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at cilncf.org at gmail.com or call us at 352 352- 378 Thanks for joining us. Until next time, support, advocate, and empower each other to live the independent life.